Good morning, church family. Our second reading this morning can be found uh, in the book of Luke, uh, chapter 18, from verse 9 to 14. This can be found on page 1052 in the Red uh, Church Pew Bibles. So that's Luke, chapter 18, from verse 9 to 14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Uh, Let me pray before I preach to us. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I thank you because your word is living and active. And Lord, we pray that you would have mercy on us this morning. And we pray that we would see your mercy clearer to us in the Lord Jesus and all that he's done for us. And Lord, we ask that by your Holy Spirit, would you uh, prepare our minds and hearts uh, to hear what you have to say to us this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, please keep that passage open and do look up. In keeping with the theme of running, uh, I was once invited on a run uh, by a group of older men from a church I used to attend. Uh, As a much younger and fitter man, I suppose, I thought, ah, this is going to be easy. I'm going to drag them around the park. However, when I arrived, when I arrived, I noticed that they were kitted out in in good and decent running gear. They had trail running shoes. Now, these are shoes that have good grip, and they're good for running around uh, tricky and muddy terrain. At that point, I should have known that these guys knew what they were doing. But my confidence was still sky high. Uh, for some reason, I was sleeker and fitter, better shape than they were, supposedly. Uh, they would be no match for me, I thought. Five minutes into the run, it turns out that these men who looked less fitter than I was were much fitter. Uh, they ran regularly. In fact, they'd been running together for years as a group and could run and talk at the same time whilst I grasped gasp of breath as I struggled to keep up with them. In fact, I was so slow at running behind them that they uh, eventually ran ahead and I got lost. <laughs> I got lost. Uh, I got lost in the woods and wandered around for an hour <laughs> before one of them came back to kindly fetch me and take me back to the car park. You see, my confidence was in how I looked. It was uh, misplaced in something I could see. I was younger and slimmer back then. I looked more in shape. It turns out how you look isn't all that counts for running. They were fitter, they had more stamina, and were better prepared. 
my confidence was misplaced in something external, something I could see. Similarly, in our passage this morning, uh, Jesus speaks to those who had placed their confidence in what they can see, uh, in what they can do in order to be right with God. So far in the parables, we've encountered several characters who are timeless in the attitudes they present towards God and his kingdom. We've met people who are confident in their religion, people who are self-assured of their place in society, people who think because, well, they're successful in life, it means that they're doing well with God. However, throughout the parables, we've also heard Jesus has tended to turn this kind of thinking upside down on its head. You see, those who would enter God's kingdom are not those who place confidence in what they do, in their outward appearances, in how successful in life they are. Rather, those who would enter God's kingdom are those who place themselves solely on God's mercy, just like the tax collector in this parable. Last week, we thought about the attitude that Jesus wants us to have towards prayer, God's people are to be persistent in prayer. This week's parable helps us to think about the kind of attitude Jesus wants us to have in prayer. Now, uh, Jesus is telling this parable uh, because uh, some who were listening to him on that day were uh, confident in their own righteousness. Uh, They looked down on others. Verse 9. Verse 14. These are the kind of people who exalt themselves above others. So Jesus tells a parable about the danger of exalting oneself, especially in prayer. Verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray. Now, one of these men was a Pharisee. Uh, In those days, Pharisees were were kind of top of the pecking order socially and religiously. Uh, They were supposedly the moral exemplars of their day. Uh, If you wanted to know what to do religiously, well, you looked at a Pharisee and what they did. Now, the other man who went to the temple to pray was a tax collector. Uh, Tax collectors were at the opposite end of the religious and social spectrum because they were seen as traitors, pariahs, dishonest money guys who took advantage of their own people, tending to overcharge on taxes uh, and pocketing the excess. You see, if you were sat down listening to Jesus that day when he told this parable, uh, you'd think, ah, of course, The Pharisees, the religious person, he's going to be the best at praying. And the tax collector, well, as a religious outsider, you wouldn't have expected much from him. And you'd forgive them for thinking this. Listen to the Pharisee's prayer. He was an upstanding, morally righteous person. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Even in today's standards, the Pharisee would be a good person to have around, wouldn't he? A pillar of the community, lives uprightly. And even better, verse 12, he takes his religion seriously. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. The law only commanded he fast once a year, but he went a step further. He was fasting twice a week. Uh, Talk about going above and beyond. And he he was generous with his money too. He gave a tenth of his earnings. Uh, This is the kind of person you want in your church family. Uh, Someone who puts their money 
where their religion is. The Pharisee was an upstanding man by any measure. He was a pillar of the community. And yet, in spite of how great he was, pillar of the community and all, religiously upstanding, in with the crowd, he was out where, where it really mattered. He wasn't acceptable to God. Verse 14, he went home after his prayer, empty-handed, Jesus says his religion, his good works, did not justify him. You see, the Pharisee was confident in his own hype, his own righteousness when he came before God in prayer. He was proud in prayer, firstly. His prayer solely focused on himself and how well better he was than others. Notice the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. Verse 11, he separated himself from others. Far too good to pray alongside those guys. Instead of praying to God, he was actually declaring his own righteousness. You know, like when a child um, asks you a question, uh, not because they they want to to find out the answer, but because they really know the answer. They've been learning it at school that day or something like that. And and they just want you to say, oh, what do you mean? Can you tell me? And then they tell you the answer. They show off that they know something. The Pharisee couldn't wait to show off to God how good he was. That was his problem. He was, he was proud of his good works before others, and he brought that same attitude to God in prayer. And because of this, he also looked down on others. You see, judging other people is a corollary of self-righteousness. Verse 11, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. His main concern was not with his sin or his need for God's mercy. His concern in his prayer was to show how better he was than others. Notice the cast of characters he chooses. They're kind of low-hanging fruit, aren't they? It's a real rabble. Robbers, adulterers, tax collectors. You can say he's really scraping the barrel, isn't he? He has a very low view of God's righteousness if this is the bar he sets for himself. You can imagine someone saying to him, hey, why don't you pick on someone your own size spiritually? Why don't you pick on other Pharisees to compare yourself to? His confidence in his own righteousness, it makes him proud in his prayer and it causes him to look down on others. From all the evidence in this Pharisee's prayer, it is fair to say that He lived an upright life religiously. However, religiosity can kill off vices such as lust, materialism, envy, selfishness, to a great degree. It can. But it just makes pride worse. Uh, Tim Keller, in one of his sermons on pride, says, there's no pride like religious pride. A proud heart coupled with religion, makes pride worse. Because it doesn't just make you look down on others because of how good you're doing. No, a proud religious heart makes you think you can stand before a holy God because of how good you are. And this is the most important reason, I think, why Jesus warns of this kind of attitude, particularly in prayer. It leads to a dead end. Verse 14. 
I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those who exalt themselves have no need for God's mercy. The Pharisee doesn't ask for God's mercy, so he never receives it. Uh, Instead of going home forgiven, he goes home condemned. He goes home empty-handed. By telling this parable, Jesus is warning those listening of the danger of being confident in their own righteousness. It makes you proud in prayer. Uh, It will cause you to look down on others, always comparing yourself to them, always judging them. Most importantly, it will leave you far apart from God's mercy. Don't place your confidence in your own righteousness. It's a dead end. Instead, where should we place our confidence? Well, we're to place our confidence in God's mercy, just like the tax collector. See, he's the one who went home justified. In the 39 Articles of the Church of England, uh, Article 11 says this about the justification of man. It says, We are accounted righteous before God only for the merit of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, by faith and not for our own works or deserving. Not for our own works or deserving. Only for the merits of our Lord Jesus Christ. To be justified by God, to be justified before God, has nothing to do with what we can do. It always, rather, has to do with God's free, God's free grace to us in the Lord Jesus. The tax collector, he knows he can't bring his merits, his good deeds before God. He probably doesn't compare to the Pharisee in this department. No. No, all he could do was to ask for God's mercy. Uh, In The Merchant of Venice, one of Shakespeare's characters, uh, Portia, notes this about the quality of mercy. Uh, She says, The quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as a gentle rain from heaven. Of course, human mercy is often strained. We know that. But the tax collector, he knows that the quality of God's mercy is never strained. It reaches far and wide, and it drops like the gentle rain, even on a low-down, good-for-nothing tax collector like himself. That's why he prays for it. Verse 13. The tax collector stood at a distance. He doesn't pretend to be an upstanding religious person. He knows he's placed before God. He, he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. What a wonderful prayer. What a simple prayer. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The word he uses for mercy uh, literally means to make atonement for. In other words, he's praying, God, please would you make atonement for my sins? I can't do anything to pay for my sins, so please would you have mercy on me? And Jesus tells us in verse 14, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. What a turn of events. The the bookie's favourite, the Pharisee, the popular one, the one in the inner circle, religiously and socially, was ultimately on the outside with God. And yet, it was the unranked 
outsider, the tax collector, whom the world's eyes was unworthy. He was the one who went home justified, in with God. Verse 14, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. What does it look like to pray with a humble attitude? Well, look at this tax collector who prayed not with self-confidence in his own righteousness, but rather he, he prayed with confidence in God's mercy alone. It may be that the, the attitude of the Pharisee in this parable seems far-fetched to a lot of us this morning. Uh, he's the epitome of what it looks like to be self-obsessed, proud in prayer. Uh, we can easily spot that, can't we? You see, the Pharisee, uh, he encapsulates the, form, uh, the common form of pride, a superiority complex. He thinks he's better than everyone else. He, it's an obnoxious self-confidence that causes him to think he's even good enough to stand before God. That's an obvious form of pride. But I reckon another form of pride, a less obvious form of pride, is an inferiority complex. Always down on yourself, never think you're good enough. Actually, you can't even see yourself ever praying to God because you're so down on yourself, on your sin. C.S. Lewis defines pride as this. Pride is the ruthless, sleepless, unsmiling concentration on the self. Pride is the ruthless, sleepless, unsmiling concentration on the self. The Pharisee prayed with pride. All he could talk about was himself. The other form of pride, the inferior form, never prays to God. Because all, all you can think about is yourself. How inferior you are to others. God will never forgive me for my sins. Both forms convey a constant concentration on the self. You see, being humble in prayer doesn't start with what we think about ourselves, although that's, that's important. It's good to recognise our sins. Uh, being humble in prayer always starts with what we think about God. Being humble in prayer starts with thinking about how gracious, how kind, how merciful God is. I think that's why the tax collector ventured to go to the temple. Uh, he's first thought wasn't to to dive into a low self-esteem rant about how much of a sinner he was, even though he was a sinner. No, his first port of call was to appeal to a merciful God for his forgiveness and mercy. Humility in prayer always drives us to God's character first. God who is ever so gracious, the God who sent his only son Jesus to die for our sins, to live a life that we could not live so that we could be brought back into his family. Uh, to be humble in prayer is to be confident in God's mercy, in his grace to us. Secondly, those who are confident in God's mercy uh, will not only pray with humility, they'll also pray boldly. That uh, uh, last verse that we sang earlier in our first hymn, Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. We can only pray that if we know that God gives good gifts to his children. He allows us to come to him. It's in keeping with his character. What are you afraid of this morning to bring before God? 
What's so big that you think God, God can't do or won't do? What's so little that you think God doesn't actually care about this? In Matthew chapter 11, verse 17, Jesus tells us, If you, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Humility in prayer enables us to see God as generous. He cares for us, for the big things, for the little things of our lives. And finally, humility in prayer will lead us to be persistent in prayer. Because we're always aware of our need. Never confident in our own righteousness before God. We're always aware of our sin. In his book, A Praying Life, Paul E. Miller notes this about prayer. He says this, If we're not praying, then we're quietly confident that time, money and talent are all we need in life. We'll always be a little too tired, a little too busy. But if, like Jesus, we realise we can't do life on our own, then no matter how busy, no matter how tired we are, we'll find the time to pray. Those who are humble in prayer will recognise their need for God's help every day. They'll be persistent in prayer. It's not a guilt trip to make us pray. Uh, it's, a, it's an acknowledgement of our need to depend on God. Humility in prayer. It drives us to be persistent in prayer. You may be here this morning and wondering, what do I have to do to become a Christian? How can I be in with God? How can I be right with God? How can I go home justified like the tax collector? Well, I hope verse 13 will be a helpful starting point for you. It's a wonderful prayer to begin with. God have mercy on me, a sinner. Your confidence in coming to God in prayer, in asking for his forgiveness, isn't to be found in anything you can do. No, your, your confidence is to be found in a God who is full of mercy. Not what can I do, but who can I come to? And you can come to God this morning and pray this same prayer, asking God for his mercy. And if you are a Christian here this morning, then this prayer of the tax collector is just as appropriate for all of us, isn't it? Not just when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus, but as we live our lives every day under the shadow of God's mercy. Uh, Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22 puts it like this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. Uh, This is what humbles us in our prayers. The Lord's faithfulness and mercy to us each and every single day. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you. And because your mercies are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. Lord, as we spend time together this morning hearing your word, singing songs to you, praying to you, 
We thank you because we come not in our own righteousness, in our own good deeds, but rather we come before you because you are merciful, you are kind, you are gracious. Thank you for how you've shown that to us uh, in this passage this morning. And please would that drive us to be humble in our prayers, to come before you with the right attitude, uh, to be persistent in our prayers, uh, to be bold in our prayers to you, uh, to be confident in the mercy we can receive from you every day in the Lord Jesus. Please would you help us to respond this week in our prayers. Would you uh, breathe new life into our prayers this week? And we pray this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.